heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. This is Dr. Lee for America, in for Malcolm on Voice of a Nation. And today we're talking about the cancel culture in medicine and how that is a direct threat to your life. What is happening that doctors on the front line in medicine who are doing their best to treat COVID patients to keep people out of the hospital, to keep people from dying, are being persecuted, sanctioned, have had licenses suspended, have had patients left hanging with no one to treat them because so many doctors have kept their offices closed or have said they don't treat COVID. What is happening that those of us on the front lines with the courage and the willingness to study, to learn, to take new approaches with existing medicines and treat patients, what's happening that we are being threatened with loss of our medical license, disrupting our lives and our patients' lives? What is happening that is causing censorship and silencing of those in medicine who disagree with the party line from Anthony Fauci and NIH and CDC and FDA that says incorrectly and untruthfully, there is no treatment for COVID. Why is there an effort to destroy any of us who disobey and who go ahead and do our best to honor our oath of Hippocrates and our fiduciary duty to patients and treat them? Why is there such willful ignorance and ignoring the constitution and allowing politicians, governors, bureaucrats, career bureaucrats, and doctors who never treat any COVID patients to do whatever they want to do to deceive the population about treatment options? These are profoundly important questions for the practice of medicine. And today, we have a physician with us, a frontline physician trained in family medicine with additional training in surgical obstetrics, cardiology, and endoscopy, a man who has served our country as a military officer for 21 years and is retired from that. He was in the Air Force as an aviator and also served in the Oregon National Guard as chief of medicine, chief of pharmacy, and a medical review officer. He has an interesting background with a master's in divinity in Christian doctrine from the Cincinnati Bible Seminary, along with his PhD program in microbiology on top of his medical career. His MD 
was earned at the Loma Linda University School of Medicine, and he did his internship and residency in family medicine and these additional areas I mentioned at Wheeling Hospital in Wheeling, West Virginia. He is board certified in family medicine and also certified in addiction medicine and specializes in pain management as well. He is certified by the American Association of Medical Review Officers. So Dr. Stephen Latulip is an exceptional physician dedicated to the care of his patients and caring for the patients who seek his help. And yet he has been persecuted by the Oregon Medical Board and had an emergency suspension of his medical license for treating COVID patients and for speaking out with the truth that early treatment is available. So let's welcome to our program today, Dr. Latulip, and thank you for your courage in fighting back to preserve your ability to serve patients. Thank you for taking a stand. Thank you for being willing to treat COVID patients in spite of all of the obstacles you've faced. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Dr. Vlier. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, it has certainly been a challenge uh, on the front line, but uh, I believe we're in for a very good fight for the right reasons. Um, I initially uh, did not ever anticipate any problems when a pandemic was being declared. And for a little background information, uh, I just wanted to uh, let people know that actually I had just published uh, my first book in theology. I had had this book in my head for some 20 years. Uh, the title of it is Unity Without Compromise, A Biblical Basis for Christian Union. Um, and I was told by my publisher that I needed to have some type of a social platform, which I had not gotten involved in simply because I had such a busy life. But uh, eventually I did get on Twitter and had an account. And uh, after a very short time, I had some 30,000 followers. And it wasn't long before I actually began to uh, be censored. The problem was not my book, of course, because I never got to market my book at all. Uh, my book came out at just, uh, just prior to the pandemic being declared. And so at that time, once it was declared, I, I started noticing all these uh, really absurd comments about the pandemic, about the COVID-19 virus, where it came from, what's it all about. There were so many questions and I saw so much sheer foolishness uh, being put forth on there that I could not help but respond to it. And so I became more and more actively involved in just trying to speak the truth about uh, what coronavirus is particularly and uh, about pandemics. And I just uh, wanted to try to do whatever I could to clarify the issues and to alleviate fear, which was so widely rampant. Uh, but as I said, the more I did that, the more 
Uh, I found myself in Twitter jail and I was being suspended for a week and I had uh, more and more problems. And, and it was about then that I realized, wow, we are actually being censored in a big way. And there was most certainly a trend. And the trend was that it seemed to me anybody who was really trying to rationally deal with the issues based on medical science uh, was being squelched. And I did not understand why that was the case uh, early on, but then uh, it became very clear to me what was really going on. And the pandemic uh, most definitely um, was a political weapon that, was, that had very explicit uh, purposes to quell the population and to control it and to censor the entire uh, population. And I saw that as being very, very dangerous. As time proceeded, I just, uh, I noticed that uh, I was getting a lot more feedback um, and I was trying my best to educate patients. And uh, then in the middle of July, uh, around July, uh, yeah, the middle to late July, uh, there was a patient A who was unbeknownst to me, who reportedly uh, had accused me of terminating this uh, patient uh, after a discussion about COVID-19 matters. Uh, this was not a true statement. I have never fired a patient for any reason other than for being extremely mean, vindictive, rude, or obnoxious not to myself, but to my staff. I have an obligation to protect my staff. So I knew that the patient A complaint um, was a fallacy, but as I said, it was unknown to me until much later, and I'll get into that. However, on August 18th, 2020, uh, I was notified by the Oregon Medical Board that an investigation was opened uh, against me due to allegations uh, that involved me not being, uh, not social distancing, not wearing a mask and discouraging people from wearing masks. And they were quite uh, frank in stating that they did not like my opinions that I was expressing on Twitter um, with regards to the pandemic. So uh, as of August uh, thir 13th, uh, there was an open investigation uh, on me from the board, and they stated specifically in that investigation that I was not compliant with a government order uh, to limit the spread of COVID-19, and therefore they were investigating me for unprofessional conduct. Uh, naturally, I was uh, given two weeks to reply to this allegation and uh, to defend myself in the investigation. And that was pretty much the end of the story. I actually did not hear again from the Oregon Medical Board, uh, despite the fact that I acknowledged in my response that it was true, I and my staff never donned a mask in our office. Um, I did not require it of my patients. However, I did give them informed consent. I advise them of the scientific facts and namely that there is not one high quality randomized controlled trial that has verified that 
that wearing a mask uh, is an effective barrier against viral in infection and spread. So there just simply was no good uh, medical studies that showed that to be true. And I determined early on that I was very interested in practicing evidence-based medicine and not politics-based medicine. So uh, after that time, um, as I said, I heard nothing from the Oregon Medical Board until five months later. And I received a letter from the Oregon Medical Board medical director. His name was Dr. David Ferris. And he sent me a letter that was dated November 9th, 2020. Uh, and um, he stated in that letter that I was not following uh, the executive orders of Governor Kate Brown and that I had better get in line or there I would be very, uh, subject to administrative sanctions. I believe that was the word they used. And uh, I thought that was very interesting in the timing of the letter. Uh, as I said, it was dated November 9th. Uh, the interesting uh, part of that is that I actually attended in Salem, Oregon. I stopped the steel rally and um, I really was not intending to even go to the rally, but my wife being the patriot that she was uh, encouraged me to go on a Saturday. I said, honey, I've got 40 charts to complete. I'm tired. It's been a very busy long week. I really don't want to go, but she talked me into it. And so we went and there was uh, quite a good crowd there. And in the course of that, I was actually uh, invited to speak. And so this was a completely impromptu speech. And I was actually, uh, when I agreed to speak on this, I thought, well, you know, I guess I'm going to have to just talk about the issue of how we're being controlled by the tyranny of the mask, as well as by the shutdowns. I uh, did not know it, but my entire speech was video recorded by the Multnomah County RNC. That's the folks up in Portland where all the chaos is going on. And I uh, found out the next day that apparently I uh, my speech was on YouTube and it went viral, uh, not just across the United States, but actually globally. So the interesting thing is that I, I presume that Dr. Ferris had, was apprised of my speech on November 7th, and by November 8th, he had watched the video, and on November 9th, the letter was dated that he wrote me that I had better get in line. So, so to you, it seems obvious to anyone with any common sense that that was direct medical board retaliation for your exercising your constitutional right to free speech. Absolutely. No question about that whatsoever. So um, I was not surprised by the fact that I was surprised uh, with an office visit from an investigator of the Oregon Medical Board on uh, December 2nd, a short time after that. Uh, the timing of that, I'm not sure why December 2nd, there was a delay. Maybe they were expecting me to respond sooner to that letter. However, I was out of state. I was actually visiting my family. I have two daughters who reside in Arizona and we were away for a time. But um, when I got back, I did respond to that. 
Uh, and uh, on December 2nd, an investigator uh, surprised me, uh, surprised visit in the office, and he came into the door, looked at, uh, took a seat, and had his nose buried in his cell phone the entire time. He had asked if I, he could have five minutes of my time. Of course, this was in the middle of a very busy clinic day, uh, but uh, he had to wait a little bit, but I, I accommodated him and I actually gave him an hour of my time to try and explain my position. Uh, the fact was that there was no real investigation done whatsoever. And what came out from this investigator was just more hearsay and many uh, assumptions. Um, all of the facts uh, of or finding of facts were absolutely false uh, without any substance to them whatsoever. So there was really no real investigation done um, in my office or about my COVID-19 protocol. Everything was based on hearsay and assumptions. Let me stop you there for just a moment. I'd like our listeners to understand something. You shared with me that you have treated over 200 COVID patients, did any of them die? Did any of them have to go to the hospital? Did any of them have complications? How did they uh, do your treatment? No, um, I did have my own unique protocol and I would say it was a little unique even among the rest of the COVID uh, frontline uh, task force doctors, the frontline doctors, uh, but I did treat uh, about 200 patients with the full-blown syndrome of COVID-19, and not a single one of them died. Not one uh, was admitted to a hospital or placed on a ventilator. Not one went to the emergency department. Uh, I, because I was, I never closed my practice throughout the entire pandemic. Uh, therefore, I was readily available, and I saw patients very early on when they developed symptoms. I treated them aggressively. And actually when I called each of the patients in a day or two following asking how they were doing, they said they were doing drastically better. And virtually every one of them was uh, back to, to a normal routine in about a week's time. Uh, they were requesting uh, uh, a letter uh, released to go back to work and so forth. They said they were feeling great. So my protocol worked very well and um, they all recovered. I, I'm sure if I had seen a thousand or 2000 patients, I would have probably had some that presented later in the course of the disease and they may have ended up in the hospital. But the, the fact was of my 200 patients, I had 100% success in treating them. And I'm not boasting about that. I'm just saying, that was just what happened. Well, I think that is such critical information because the purpose of a medical board is to protect the public from physicians who are engaging in incompetent practice or dangerous practice or who are impaired physicians from alcohol or drug abuse or in some way <clears throat> endangering the public. You were not only not a danger to the patients, you were helping people survive when other doctors were cowering in the corner, closing their office and not available to their patients. And the board is coming after you. I just think this is an absolutely, uh, it, it, it almost feels like we're living in an alternate universe. It is so out of the realm of normal practice for medicine. 
that it's, it's just unbelievable. It's like the twilight zone. I totally agree with you, uh, Dr. Valier. In fact, uh, because I was in my office and because uh, several of my patients, many of them actually, could not even uh, contact, to leave, even to leave a message by phone, they were unable to contact their specialists. And as a consequence of that, I actually had to uh, treat some very acutely ill patients who were in trouble for their lives, such as florid heart failure with rapid atrial fibrillation, which is a rapid heartbeat that leads to an accumulation of fluid in the lungs uh, and they develop leg swelling. They were in trouble. Uh, And I'm talking about their life uh, being threatened. And I was forced to to treat these people because the uh, emergency departments were telling them not to come here because with their chest tightness and shortness of breath, they just assumed it was COVID. When in fact it was not, I put a stethoscope on their lungs, listened to their heart and readily diagnosed a, a very serious condition that would have rendered them dead if they had not received treatment. So not only did the Oregon Medical Board do nothing for five months, um, but they, I, uh, they are accusing me of being in immediate danger um, while I am helping patients, treating COVID patients, treating all the other conditions that are coming in uh, because nobody else is there available for them. Actually, in my testimony last week in court, I pointed out that the Oregon Medical Boards, as with every medical board's uh, obligation is first to protect the public. And I said, you know, if you knew that I was not masking for five months and you consider me an immediate danger such that you are taking my medical license, then you have just proven beyond any doubt that the Oregon Medical Board is absolutely derelict of duty because they did not uh, shut me down as soon as they knew what I was doing. Nothing had changed over those five months. Uh, and I, I made it very- in democracy. Yes, it, it was absurd. It was completely absurd. So, um, Uh, Once I received the order of emergency suspension notice, and by the way, I did not receive that by letter, the board met the very next day after uh, the investigator showed up at my office. And before that investigator left, he asked me, he says, I want to know one thing. Are you going to change anything in your practice based on this bullying letter that I received from Dr. Ferris? I said, well, no, I don't think I will. Why should I? I? I have had zero problems with infectivity in my office. I've treated the patients successfully. Uh, None of my staff have become sick. And it seems to me I'm doing a lot of things right. I thought, why aren't they asking me, uh, what's the secret to my success? I I had uh, very good success in everything I was doing with relation to the pandemic. So I didn't understand that. But uh, After he asked that question, I realized what was going on and I saw where this was going. And so I was very candid and I said, you know, Mr. Investigator, I said, if the Oregon Medical Board really wants to pick a fight with me, then God help them. Uh, Because I will stand by my oath to protect and care for my patients above all else. Good for you. That's exactly what all physicians should be doing. And well, that's that is true. That is so very true. Um, So um, the very 
Next day, the board did meet to discuss my case and they decided at about 5.30, I believe in the evening that I should have my license suspended because I was an immediate danger. And I they accused me of un unprofessional conduct and uh, dishonorable conduct as well uh, for everything that I did. Now that uh, order of emergency suspension letter immediately was, uh, was published and dispersed uh, to all the mainstream media I was not in receipt of that notice, that letter. Uh, however, I read about it online uh, in these news uh, outlets even before I got the letter. So the world knew about it actually before I knew about it that my license was suspended. Uh, that was kind of surprising to me. And what also was very surprising is that uh, this investigator called me the very next morning at about 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning to announce the uh, bad news that my license was suspended. He offered me no reason whatsoever. He just said, the medical board has decided to take your license. I'm sorry to bear the bad news. Unbelievable, unbelievable. We need to take a brief break. In just a moment, we will be right back. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Welcome back to Voice of a Nation. This is Dr. Lee for America, back with our guest today, Dr. Stephen Latulip, who is currently 
in a federal lawsuit against the Oregon Medical Board for suspension of his license and ways that actually violated due process and certainly were not based on bad medical practice. We have a physician who successfully has been treating COVID patients, one of the few on the front lines, willing to keep his office open and help save lives. And we are exploring the way in which rogue medical boards actually damage physician-patient relationships and patients' access to medical care as we discuss what has been happening with Dr. Latula in Oregon. Welcome back, Dr. Latula, and thank you so much for your courage and your fighting spirit. I think clearly your time in the military served you well. You understand what's needed when <laughs> we're at war, whether it's a medical war against a virus, using the tools we have, or whether it's a war against corruption that is threatening our constitutional rights and patient care, or whether it's a war in the military setting. Thank you for being so courageous and willing to stand and fight. It is my pleasure. Uh, there's no doubt that I am a declared patriot. Um, I cannot help but fight the war. So uh, when I made the news, uh, I was on, I believe, all of the major uh, mainstream media uh, news outlets. Uh, I was receiving calls and requests uh, for interviews uh, immediately after the, the news got out, the word got out that I lost my license. In the process of this, the news stations slammed me, made me look like the utmost villain and my good name, my reputation, my uh, outstanding record as a physician uh, of 20.5 years in Oregon, all was suddenly trashed down the drain. And this was all based on hearsay by the Oregon Medical Board, but hearsay that was reported by the Medical Board as being factual when it wasn't. This was devastating. The result of them stating as fact what was hearsay and uh, rumor and actual false testimony was that I was receiving personal threats against myself. Uh, I was repeatedly threatened to be taken down, whatever that means. Uh, I was accused of being a murderer, and um, I received phone calls stating that they would be burning down my clinic, just as they were doing burning down in Portland, in downtown Portland. I thought, oh, this is so fun, uh, all based on hearsay and um, everything uh, just down the tube. So overnight, it was very, very surprising. Uh, for several weeks after that, we were receiving daily phone calls of the most vulgar uh, type you could ever imagine. Uh, but that was not the worst of it. The absolute worst factor in losing my license was that I had all these patients, thousands of patients now, uh, approximately 3,000, who all of a sudden 
uh, were experiencing physician abandonment. And these were very needy patients. These were not in a, a big city where there were many doctors available. These were patients who I treated for chronic pain, for central pain uh, specifically, which is something very misunderstood by physicians. And I also treated many addiction patients and as well as uh, a underserved population um, that were truly counting on me. And uh, the Oregon Medical Board didn't even take that into consideration. They, they have no compassion for patients. And I thought that was what the boards were supposed to be about, to protect patients. So um, it had been three and a half months uh, later uh, that I was offered uh, an administrative hearing, and that actually just took place last week. It began on Monday, and in fact, I uh, will resume my final testimony on Tuesday or, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this coming week. Um, but, you know, I think it needs to be pointed out exactly what happened here. The Oregon Medical Board actually acted as my accuser, my prosecutor, my jury, my judge, and then finally my executioner. And then three and a half months later, I uh, am offered the administrative hearing. And um, the administrative hearing, uh, I, I would have never believed it, uh, but it was truly a kangaroo court. It was hysterical if it, if it wasn't so serious. Uh, they had no due process whatsoever. Uh, it, it was almost like being in the presence of a secret society. There is literally no due process. The Constitution is thrown out. Hearsay is admissible as evidence. And the bias throughout this hearing from the top to the bottom was so rampant. The Oregon Medical Board attorney Warren Foote repeatedly objected to all truthful testimony. Anything that would expose the truth, he had an objection for it. He harassed every one of my expert witnesses, accused them of not being competent, not being qualified. He shamed them uh, when they actually, in fact, provided some extremely expert testimony in comparison to the board's expert witnesses. Uh, the, uh, the medical board's expert witnesses uh, actually only cited very weak studies, summaries, opinion articles to support uh, their crime. What but they did not mention one randomized controlled trial, which is the gold standard, the best, highest quality studies to, uh, in research and medical research are the randomized controlled trial. None of the board's uh, uh, expert witnesses even touched on them, even hinted at them. So it exposed to me that the real issue is political. The whole issue was the fact that I did not practice medicine according to uh, Governor Kate Brown's executive orders. Uh, those executive orders were initially called guidelines, uh, then they were called rules, and then they were called legal mandates, and they are anything but legal. I actually read the entire uh, constitution of the state of Oregon, and uh, when I read the executive branch um, uh, rules, uh, how they operated, there was nothing in there whatsoever 
allowing uh, a governor to implement executive orders as Governor Brown has done. It just wasn't there. So it tells me that this is corruption coming from our government in Oregon, which is no secret. But the other point is that uh, they stated that uh, based on their findings, I was a threat to the public and my patients. I was a danger to them. And yet they stated this when they had zero evidence of harm, when I actually saved the lives of several of my patients uh, because the specialists were hiding behind their desks at home and because I treated early my COVID patients and all recovered. And suddenly the light bulb really went on what is happening. I am a living example and living proof that everything that these rogue governors are declaring and stating to the public is absolutely false. Not wearing a mask is not going to cause the harm that they are telling you. Uh, the shutdowns have not been effective. When you look at the mask issue, what we find truthfully is that we're in those regions of the country where mass mandates were in place and where mass compliance was the greatest, those are the very areas where the greatest number of COVID positive cases were found as well as deaths. There is definitely evidence to suggest that mask wearing can be dangerous and can increase infectivity. And if I had another three to five hours, I could explain that in great detail. Uh, but the fact is that the Oregon Medical Board declared me an immediate danger when they had no basis whatsoever and quite the opposite. I just think this is staggering in the implications for patient care. Your life and your family's life obviously has been devastated by this, but so have the lives of the patients who have been deprived of your expertise, particularly when we all know how difficult it is for pain management patients to get adequate care from someone who is compassionate and competent and understands all the nuances in pain management. I used to do that work earlier in the Virginia phase of my career, and those patients are very complicated it does take an integrated approach. It does take someone who specializes in that area. You can't just pick up and find another doctor to provide those services immediately when someone is no longer available. I, I just find this staggering in what happened to your patients as well. I totally agree with that. Uh, that was the most devastating thing for me. Uh, about this whole thing. Um, yes, my life has been destroyed. Uh, there's no doubt about that. In fact, my beautiful clinic, which is located directly across the street from the West Valley Hospital in Dallas, Oregon, uh, it's a beautiful clinic. I built it, I have a second building behind it. Uh, my clinic uh, has become uh, a very known uh, entity. I have never advertised, and yet I get referred to me, uh, pain patients who simply cannot get control of their pain. So neurosurgeons, orthopedic surgeons, um, neurologists, uh, all refer patients to me. Even I get referrals from other pain clinics saying, look, we have nothing to offer you, 
Let's send them to Dr. Latulip. And I have to say that every one of my pain patients are extremely well controlled. And there was not a one of them that did not get their lives back. Even uh, I had an, as an example, a patient who uh, was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and his pain was so severe that he was literally planning on putting a, a bullet to, uh, through his head uh, because the pain was so severe. He came to me, was referred to me, and I asked him, I said, what do you want to do before you die? What's your, your last wish? And uh, he knew that the seriousness of his condition, he says, you know, I just want to be able to go out and hunt one more time. He uh, had Native American blood and he he wanted to hunt and he wanted specifically to bow hunt. Now, this is a gentleman who was in intractable pain, suicidal. And I said, well, you know what? Let's see what we can do. Well, as it turned out, he got his uh, permit to hunt uh, with his disability. And this young gentleman of 35 years old, I believe he was, went out with a bow, had just enough energy to raise the bow to hunt. And he shot a bull elk and a nice beautiful buck and a bear, a bear in this last hunting season. He, he was telling me about it and he was in tears. He said, I never dreamed I'd be able to do it. Uh, his pain had been controlled extremely well. He was happy, his anxiety was controlled. He pretty much got his life back, uh, although he had a severe disability and this will take his life, but he was happy and he was comfortable. His pain was controlled. And I have hundreds of other patients like him who would gladly testify to that very fact. And now they simply cannot find another physician to, to control their pain because we have a big target on our back by just doing pain medicine. And despite the fact that I have a perfect record in pain medicine in treating patients very well and effectively. I still nonetheless, because I do pain medicine, am, uh, am threatened all the time uh, with action from the board just by the nature of my treatment, as if pain medicine is a non-entity in real life. And everybody knows that that is pure nonsense. So what a what a beautiful story you shared and tragic that all of these patients have lost the, the person who was giving them their lives back in addition to the COVID patients. I I just I can't even comprehend the enormity of the true evil that we are up against. And I use that word very deliberately and not lightly. Malcolm began Voice of a Nation two years ago. And with his introductory show, he talked about the fact in that very first show that we were in a battle between good and evil. He was prescient in ways that he perhaps couldn't have known at that time. But I think we have seen that enormity of true okay. evil when the powers that be are preventing good doctors from taking care of patients, saving lives, managing chronic pain, which it itself is very difficult, treating cancer patients, all of the things that we have been prevented from doing 
under these political outrageous interference with our freedom to live our lives and work is truly, it's a battle between good and evil. I, I make no bones about saying that. I cannot disagree with you, Dr. Blier. Um, it is a fact that we are truly at war. We are in a fight for our constitution and we as Americans are in a fight for our freedom. And that, that statement cannot be overly emphasized. In my travels in the military, um, I actually never saw any hard combat uh, time, air combat, but I was deployed uh, on several occasions for a show of force, which would mean that we would go to battle if the case were necessary, but we were very effective in squelching things. And when we deployed, it was usually to, to, to defend a free republic and uh, to suppress a coup. And I noticed that in every one of these cases, there are three ingredients to overthrow a free republic. And those three ingredients are fear, confusion, and violence, such as what we are seeing with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, BLM, uh, the oppression that had been going on. It, it showed me exactly what's happening we are truly in a fight for our freedom and our constitution. And if we don't act now, it will soon be too late. And so the fight must go on. And for that reason, I have filed uh, in federal court a lawsuit against the Oregon Medical Board. In fact, I believe it was filed early last week, just as my hearing was beginning. The Oregon Medical Board, interestingly, has already responded to my uh, lawsuit, and they are requesting that the federal court toss out my case. Uh, I think that is not likely to happen at all. I have been advised that it is very unlikely to happen. Uh, but if it were to happen, then I would simply appeal my case to the Supreme Court, and that would not hurt my feelings at all. American people need to know what is really going on. And unfortunately, what I thought was the last frontier of integrity in America, the field of medicine has now been overtaken and is every bit a part of the cancel culture as we are seeing uh, in every other area of our lives. Um, there's a great dichotomy going on in the United States right now in medicine. I personally am an, an independent physician and that is not by accident. I refuse to do otherwise. Uh, the majority of physicians in America nowadays are hired hands. They work for a CEO in big hospitals settings and in their satellite clinics. So you can imagine if the CEOs of hospitals are going are going to gain tremendous money from a pandemic uh, through incentives, admissions, and so forth, uh, what incentive do they have to treat early? They don't want to do that. And um, that would apply in many other areas as well. Uh, so if we can get patients into the hospital, then what we do is we do as, as much or as little diagnostic uh, 
examination uh, with hands-on as possible. And we order every test that can possibly be ordered uh, that will make the money uh, for the hospital. Uh, the independent physicians try to prevent patients from going in the hospital, and that makes us an enemy of big business medicine, which is the new organized medicine run not by physicians, but by big business people. And that is a travesty in America. You're right. And that is a trend that I've seen escalate dramatically over the course of my career. And I really felt strongly, in fact, I spoke out at the beginning of my independent practice set up back in Virginia. I spoke out at the time and I said, if you, if you sign contracts with these third party insurance carriers or take employment as an employee physician subject to direction by administrative staff, you're selling your soul to the devil. We cannot serve two masters. And that turned out to be far more true than I realized at the time. And I think it's interesting that you and I are two independent physicians, both of whom have been serving our patients and honoring the oath of Hippocrates to serve our patients. And what we are doing is treating them early and keeping them out of the hospital, out of the big business of medicine. Absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, I would have it no other way. Um, as I go forward now, uh, the fact is uh, I am not... Uh, I am not so foolish and so naive as to think that the Oregon Medical Board will now repent of their crime and uh, give me back my license. Um, I knew that uh, I was at a point, and in fact, at the beginning of the, that uh, administrative hearing, the first in the opening statements, uh, uh, the uh, Oregon Medical Board attorney asked me if I would... Uh, change my practice, meaning wear a mask, uh, if the Oregon Medical Board was to give me back my license. So I read between the lines and realized what this, uh, this attorney was asking me was to make a choice to shut up and obey the master of the Oregon universe, Kate Brown, submit blindly to her despite my knowledge of the true medical evidence uh, or maintain my integrity. And I advised him without hesitation, if I must lose my license permanently in Oregon uh, in order to maintain my integrity, in order to maintain my oath as a physician, in order to stand before God fully justified for not partaking of the evils that I see taking place, uh, then so be it. I would choose to maintain my integrity. On the other hand, Ephesians 5.11 states that we should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So if I am not to receive my medical license back, uh, 
I will be saddened and disappointed since medicine has been my ministry. However, I will also be very excited because I will now have a new ministry, which is to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, uh, particularly in medicine and beyond. I am a warrior for Christ. I am a warrior for my country to defend our freedom and our constitution. I live by it. I remember the words of Alexis de Tocqueville, who was a French historian who came to America shortly after he, uh, after uh, we received our independence in 1776. I believe he came around the turn of the century, 1800. And he made such an interesting statement. He said, I cannot help but uh, understand. It, no, he said, it was not until I went into the churches that I understood how America had become such a powerful nation. They believe in the authority of God's word. And he stated that apart from the Bible, apart from God, there can be no free republic. There can be no constitution. And in fact, John Adams made the same declaration that the constitution of the United States was designed to govern a Christian people, a godly people. If we turn from God, then we are a dead nation. And that's just a fact. And ultimately, in all the horrors of what we see, we have to keep in mind that this is spiritual warfare. And we must expect uh, people that are worshiping money and uh, Satan to behave accordingly. And we as Christians must fight the good fight. And so I plan on going forward and simply doing that. I refuse to compromise and I will do everything in my powers to expose the corruption of the medical boards to refute pseudoscience and uh, to determine and encourage other physicians also to determine never to practice politics-based medicine. We must stay with the true science. We must stay faithful to our Hippocratic oath as physicians. The people of America as patients deserve that. And regardless of the cost, it must be paid. Freedom is not free. Wow, that is so powerful. And so well said, I absolutely agree with what you have just summarized. And you know, that's, a, that's a, actually a really um, meaningful way of looking at bringing meaning out of adversity, which Viktor Frankl talked about in the horror of the Nazi concentration camps. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he said, one of the last human freedoms is the power to choose our mental outlook in the face of adversity. And to choose to see this as continuing a ministry, perhaps not in medicine, in the way that it has been, but in the ministry to expose the darkness and corruption, which we are seeing rampant in our country. I've often said America has become Sodom and Gomorrah on steroids. 
it really is uh, just very inspiring to hear what you just said. I hope our listeners send you prayers of support and other support that may help you in this fight. Well, I thank you very much, Dr. Blier. Uh, it has really been a pleasure to just have this discussion with you. As a physician in a rural town, I sometimes get lonely and uh, just talking with other physicians and especially with physicians who have morals and values and a true compassion for people. I love speaking with you as I love sharing with the frontline doctors. Uh, we do have uh, that mentality that we are going to fight with everything we have for the sake of our patients. And that makes life worth living. So from here, uh, we go on and continue to fight and may God bless us in our efforts. Absolutely. And may God bless you and your family and strengthen you for the fight that you face. I am very glad to see that you have filed a federal lawsuit and are willing to take it all the way to the Supreme Court because I think we must deal with the fact that governors have interfered with the physician's right to practice medicine and take care of patients. And so have the medical boards in going after these literally persecutions based on hearsay and false accusations. And this is going to be our time. Those of us in medicine, like me, who have not been in the military, this is our time to do battle and to stand up for what is right, for what our patients need, and for the true oath of Hippocrates to serve our patients to the best of our ability. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Latulip. You have absolutely been an inspiration and I'm grateful that you were part of Voice of a Nation today. This is Dr. Lee for America, standing in for Malcolm, signing off for today. This is your life, your health, and your freedom at stake. Get involved, get loud, and don't be afraid to speak up and help make the world a better place. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is self-evil. God will not hold us guiltless.